0: Slash Zoe slash Lars.
1: I'm Carolyn and I'm a Lars slash Jessica.
2: I'm Teresa and I'm a Francis slash Tony and we are a big little podcast talking about episodes three and four of Hulu's Nine Perfect Strangers. Rebecca, want to tell our listeners what happened to our strangers in these episodes?
0: Absolutely. So episode three begins with yet another smoothie breakfast and Lars wastes no time pot-stirring caramel into attacking him, giving us our first real glimpse of the rage percolating beneath her dowdy exterior. The gang then learns his Earth Day at Tranquillum House, which means they'll be outside communing with nature and foraging for the rest of the day's sustenance. This new season of Alone is weird. <laughs> After a brief reprieve in the form of a sack race, our nine strangers are divided up by sex. The women head out to the river with Delilah, while Yao takes the men into the forest in search of avocados. But despite hunger pains and forced outdoor activity each group experiences a cathartic breakthrough heather who almost jumped off a cliff last episode decides life is better humming bonniver and skinny dipping later in the hot springs she provokes a conversation about their sex lives much to daughter zoe's horror and encourages francis to have an affair with napoleon who is apparently an excellent lover if zoe wasn't traumatized before she certainly is now Carmel and Jessica also cut through their bullshit to reveal Carmel resents all young, beautiful women before her because her husband left her for one, and Jessica is actually insecure despite her exceptional good looks. Even Frances, queen of the pithy comments, takes a turn towards sincerity, admitting she struggles to connect with the real world and tends to think of people as characters. Meanwhile, the men are also oversharing. Ben outs Tony as a former professional football player, Smiley Hogburn, explaining his bum knee, painkiller addiction, and big main character energy, And then Ben also cops to a secret of his own. He won the lottery. And just like Hurley before him, Ben has realized too late that the lottery is not all it's cracked up to be. After an awkward session with Masha, Napoleon is even punchier than normal. He complains of dizziness, which could be from the day's lack of sustenance, but is more likely a symptom of the mysterious protocol Masha activated at the end of episode two. When a hangry Tony spies Masha's pet goat, he chases the animal down with Napoleon in hot pursuit. When the men arrive back at Tranquillium, dead goat in tow, Nicole Kidman does her best acting yet in an attempt to mask her horror with delight. To celebrate their triumph over Earth Day, Masha declares a dinner party is in order. And so the poor goat is splayed, the smoothies swapped for red wine, and our strangers gathered around get another immaculately laid table. But because this is a David E. Kelly show, the good vibes run out before Napoleon can deliver a spectacularly sad toast in which he reveals his guilt over his son's death and admits he was the one who slaughtered the goat. The episode ends with Heather comforting her no longer peppy husband before accusing Masha of medicating the group. Episode 4, Brave New World, begins with a flashback to the evening Masha was shot. She's on her phone barking at some poor lackey before switching to a call with her lover. As she gets into her car, Masha is shot by a masked stranger. And then we're back at the dinner table right where we left off. It turns out Masha has been microdosing everyone, except for Jessica and Ben, with magic mushrooms. And just like that, all that oversharing and goat murdering makes perfect sense. The gang is rightfully upset over the lack of consent and accuse Masha of lying to them, but Masha waits no time turning the tables, challenging Tony, Lars, and Carmel to reveal their secrets, and wondering aloud if one of them might be a murderer. Best dinner party ever! Tension's high, Masha decides it's time to lay it all on the table. She tells the guests they're free to go or free to stay. They're even free to stay sans magic mushrooms. Ben asks why they weren't given this choice from the get-go, and Masha explains fear of the protocol would prevent most from trying it. She lists a litany of ailments psilocybin can alleviate, going so far as to claim it can change the world. When Lars accuses Masha of making a money grab, she promptly outs him as an investigative journalist, claiming to welcome his pending expose. Ben finally asks the question we've all been wondering. Exactly how crazy are you? Just the right amount, the Lady Gladriel answers. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Cut to commercial. (laughs) In the wake of the psilocybin revelation, our strangers are reeling, but Heather's kind of feeling it. She goes from caressing the sheets to caressing Napoleon, and then Masha's caressing Yao. Delilah figures this out real quick, and Yao ends up on the couch. The next morning, after more hallucinogenic smoothie, Carmel has her one-on-one with Masha, where she reveals her ex- ex-husband's chronic infidelity and violent displays of affection. Zoe and Lars engage in some light scream therapy, and then the gang meets Mr. Kendo, an anthropomorphized suit of armor on whom to project their deepest insecurities. Francis goes first, getting out a few smide remarks before Masha's encouragement turns Mr. Kendo into her internet scammer. She goes increasingly distressed, beating the literal shit out of Mr. Kendo with a wooden katana while sharing the harrowing details of her betrayal. Carmel's next, and she breaks even faster than Francis, hitting poor suffering Mr. Kendo until he falls to the ground, then stabbing him a few too many times for Tony and Napoleon's liking. Tony later confesses to Francis he believes Masha is fucking with him specifically since he accidentally killed a man in a bar fight. The evening ends well enough for our strangers that they all enjoy a little kumbaya bonfire, but unfortunately Delilah is not having such a good evening. She's alarmed to learn Masha has once again upped the guest dosage and this time done so without consulting her. Deflecting, Masha accuses Delilah of skipping her own protocol and reveals Delilah's bipolar diagnosis. When Masha walks home that evening, she finds her bungalow door open, her pottery smashed, and her her weird owl art defaced with the message, it's good to die. Instead of running out of the house and calling 911 like any sensible person, Masha just looks vaguely inconvenienced. and seen. Wow. I'm exhausted.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's a lot. Um, We're going to have to reenter Joy re-energize ourselves with some smoothies so let's get back to smoothie talk what a game changer i know turns out you were all right masha is drugging everyone except ben and jessica with magic
0: mushrooms and everyone's okay with it i mean as they should be i i was like (laughs) so pleasantly surprised that that's what she was drugging them with because it really Mm -hmm. does explain all of the like oversharing and the turn towards sudden appreciation for each other and nudity, nudity, the tactility. (laughs) Like I will fully, I, the minute we showed this, I'm like, well, I'm about to cop to the whole public that I have had several psilocybin experiences. And that is like exactly how it feels. And it is uh, in a microdosing sense. There is a ton of literature out there about how it can cure the litany of ailments that Masha described. So I think that was Mm -hmm. a really clever topical twist And I'm very curious to read the book to see if this was in the book. And that was my first question for you.
1: No, don't give it away. (laughs) Okay.
2: I I was going to say, do you want me to actually answer that? Yeah. So, but Ben and Jessica aren't getting the psilocybin, right? And for some reason, they're also not getting the excuses that they should get MDMA instead because they're there to heal their relationship. But why haven't they been getting that while everybody else is getting the... The magic mushrooms. Does anyone have a guess?
0: I mean MDMA is a much like more intense experience. I guess I'm just mm-hmm. copping to all my truck years today.
2: <laughs> Rebecca has a problem, everybody. She's going into tranquilum I'm going to
0: tranquillum tomorrow. Um <laughs> but my uh what I've read about MDMA is that it causes like intense experiences of euphoria and is a much like a much more classic like drug experience. Like you absolutely do feel beyond yourself. Whereas psilocybin tends to amplify things you're already feeling. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So I think that like it's not the kind of thing that you could microdose someone with that they wouldn't know. Whereas like psilocybin, like I do think it's quite feasible that it would take somebody a couple days if they were being microdosed to figure out Mm -hmm. that they were on something and they weren't just like having a good happy few days. Whereas like MDMA, like I have never heard of anyone doing like a small enough dose where they could feasibly not know that they were on MDMA.
2: Carolyn, do you think that very logical explanation is the reason or is there something more nefarious at hand?
1: Um, I don't know. I think like she is so weird and doing all these experiments so it kind of made sense to me that there would be a variable in the in in the mix like that some yeah masha's a real scientist well i i mean obviously like we're not going to give her that much credit but i i think like that it is part of this weird plan to test out these different methods at least that's how i was accepting it
2: I mean, my first thought was, is she pregnant? Oh,
1: interesting. Oh.
0: That's a re- And they took her blood.
1: And they would have... But, Teresa,
0: dead. you are a sly, clever dog.
2: But by the end of episode four, I think we're to understand that they've now... Taken ...gotten it. the MDMA. Or at right? least she has. Well... But she's also consented to yeah, it. Yeah, and mm-hmm. she
1: asked for it. She said, like, why aren't we getting it? Can, when are right. we... You know, she seemed real eager uh, to join the rest of the gang in their drug usage but it
2: also seems negligent to if you know someone is pregnant and they are asking you for drugs and they don't know that they're pregnant right to give them not let them know first
0: yeah but then i I mean i think you're right because she she is very affectionate towards the end and seems to be kind of like riding that bubbly mdma high that they did dose her so i think I don't know. I mean, clearly this woman does not have any sort of appreciation for consent or medical ethics at all. So I wouldn't necessarily put it past her to give a woman who's pregnant MDMA, but that would be a really dark turn. And I think that that whole commentary on consent and drugs was really fantastic because how many people have been like dosed by somebody at a party or something like, and Mm. it ruins the potential of the drug. So her whole argument that people would reject it if I told them, like, I can see I can see why she thinks that especially with psilocybin like I, I a lot of people are like oh it's magic mushrooms and there's been a real mm-hmm. effort in the psilocybin community to have it referred to as psilocybin because magic mushrooms just comes along with so many it's like reefer madness kind of thing mm-hmm. and that really takes away <laughs> from it being like an actual pharmaceutical option for a lot of people but mm-hmm. to deprive somebody of their choice and and Ben's whole argument why didn't you ask us at the beginning was totally valid I'm like I, you know if somebody if you're debuting this sort of experimental treatment, let people choose but to dose them all. I would have left honestly, and I'm someone that like fully embraces mushrooms. but if I'd been in dosed without my consent, like I straight up would have left. Well, they're crazy. also
1: all on magic mushrooms, so they're not really thinking a hundred percent clearly, right yeah. like I, I mean I mean at that point, I mean there
2: be I mean there are like businessmen who go to work every day on microdosing, Like they're not getting nearly enough to, um,
0: I could understand if they were all on MDMA, but psilocybin you're not that out of your mind that you wouldn't. And they all were on psilocybin when the revelation happened and they were all rightfully like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. (laughs) Dose all of us.
2: (laughs) Right. And then, and then Frances got her a bottle of wine, (laughs) her
1: her vodka, her vodka. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, I, I, I don't know. I kind of, uh, loved that loved her getting called out on this and her reaction <laughs> the, the i felt like it was like the one interesting moment of acting for nicole kidman so far in this series uh, mm-hmm. her expression in that moment when they're like are, uh, are we being drugged yeah i don't know i found that an actual an interesting an interesting moment there
2: I actually really liked Heather Marconi in that moment because she's the only one with enough presence of mind, even though she seems to be one of the most affected by the drugs. I mean, everybody else was pretty, like, it didn't seem like anyone else was acting any different.
1: Um, I guess Carmel was kind of a mess. Well, yes, but,
2: I mean, we'll get to her later, but you guys already thought she was nuts. So, like, is it the drugs? or
0: (laughs) Is it just Carmel? Is it just
2: Carmel? We don't really know.
0: Well, I mean, I definitely got the vibe that there was some sort of something going on with the oversharing in episode three. Like, that's something mm-hmm. that Magic Mushroom Psilocybin absolutely does do is it mm-hmm. makes you feel super connected to people and, like, you can speak your mind very honestly. So that whole conversation between Jessica and Carmel where she's accusing her of fucking with her or, mm-hmm. like, it just felt, like, stripped away of all the pretext that we assume when we're talking to relative strangers that it just made all of them feel like they could speak very honestly i mean heather going on this whole thing about how she hasn't had sex in three years and she'd be Mm -hmm. fine with francis sleeping with her husband i was like there is some sort of drug something happened here because this buttoned up woman would not be saying that normally
2: yeah i mean the carmel thing it's like she almost turned into sophia from the golden girls where all of a sudden she had no filter (laughs) and she was just saying whatever was on her mind no matter how mean it was
0: yeah I think it's a really fun twist like i really was not expecting of all the different things like i thought it could have been some proprietary like drug cocktail but the fact that it's just pure and simple psilocybin was like huh okay that's a really fun interesting angle to take because it has become such a wellness buzzword like talk about like Mm -hmm. a goop thing like what if paltrow straight up has like multiple articles on goop about psilocybin oh well, we'll just jump ahead then because
2: I have um, a list here from Goop of various psychedelic
0: retreats. Come on. Across <sighs> the
2: globe. And it's not just psilocybin. And weirdly, there's only one listed for psilocybin because I would have thought that was very popular. There's only one listed and it's outside of Amsterdam. Of course. But there's a couple for ayahuasca,
1: which no, have either
2: of you guys seen the Chelsea Handler documentary about her going to do yes. ayahuasca? No, I fun. haven't,
1: but I need to.
2: Oh, you 100% do. But um, if you are squeamish about puking or pooping, like on camera, then which you're not because you were totally into Armand. But Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm there for that. It um, – yeah, ayahuasca does not seem appealing, and then they also list ibogaine, which I think is weird because that is used as a way to get people detox off people drugs. Off of... I've never
0: heard of that. Yeah, what?
2: It deep. It, so it basically helps you get off of opiates and maybe other scary drugs. Is but... it the stuff that makes you throw
0: up when you take the drugs?
2: Um, no, 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 no. This is like some plant nonsense. You know, it's it's again, it's like a naturally occurring. Um, substance, I think, that is uh, you know, I think my first introduction to it was on like House MD or something where he was <laughs> he was going to illegally use Ibogaine to help someone get off of drugs. Yeah,
1: there's an episode of Law and Order SBU where uh, mm. Dr. the B.D. Wong character uses Ibogaine to get a guy off drugs so that he can testify mm-hmm. and he's like you know, he takes the heat for it and temporarily mm-hmm. like loses his job because of it um so that's how i learned about what that was
2: but it just struck me weird as like calling that a retreat because mm. it's not it's rehab but yeah, uh, it's rehab. <laughs> so then there's the psilocybin one in amsterdam which takes place in some ancient scandinavian church and they refer to them as truffles instead uh-huh. of mushrooms uh-huh. and i'm like I'm into this. I would, but I 100% am afraid that I would just like run off into the woods and start telling everyone I'm an elf and never come back.
0: I mean, that sounds right. It sounds like a good end to your story, Teresa. Then they never heard from her again.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, and then, the only ones located in the U.S. are all for ketamine. What? What? And there are, like, six of them listed. And Come on. I was like, no, that's how Armand ends up pooping in a suitcase and getting stabbed on the White Lotus. You can't be using ketamine
0: like that. I've never <laughs> heard of ketamine used for a therapeutic reason. That's wild. Apparently, it's a... I mean, ketamine is, a, like, it's, it's a... It's a horse tranquilizer.
2: Yeah, and it... But my assumption is that because it was developed in a lab for a therapeutic purpose of some kind, it's probably a little bit easier to get approval to use it, and that's why
1: you're able
2: to use it in the U.S.
1: Right. Oh, I mean, this whole
0: thing about, like, synthetic drugs versus naturally occurring stuff, I'm like, just, Mm -hmm. policing plants is wild to me. Like, Mm -hmm. who cares? I don't know. Really interesting topic. I didn't really think they were actually going to go there. I thought, like, the drug revelation wasn't going to happen maybe until, like, the very end. Mm -hmm. So the fact that they addressed that in episode three and here we are in episode four, the whole gang's just like lightly tripping on mushrooms is great. I was like, this is such a fun twist.
2: Yeah. I have to say I'm wondering
0: where it goes from. Yeah. Yeah. What other therapies are they going to introduce?
2: Well, so one of the other therapies they introduced in this was... um, Mr. Kendo? Fasting. No, fasting. Yeah. So, (laughs) which... I really I felt like so so close to this um to the storyline because so they break up into groups the like women go with Delilah the men go with Yao and they go off on their little you know tripping trips while yeah. not eating and the men immediately start complaining. Yep. They're like we are going to die out here if <laughs> we don't get this avocado. Like <laughs>
0: And the outrage when there's just a single Garden of Eden avocado, and they're just like, "Oh my oh, son God, of a bitch, what are we gonna do with this?" It was great.
2: And literally, like, you know, they're maybe a few hours into not having eaten and and they have eaten. they had their smoothie in the morning. and they are just losing their minds. And it reminded me of have, have did you guys ever go through a phase where you watched MTV's The
0: Challenge? <laughs> yes.
1: no, actually.
0: No. Carolyn, that's the most surprising turn of events yet. I
1: know. Yeah. What is happening? Yeah. Well, I didn't have, uh, this is really shocking, but I grew up in a household that didn't have cable. Um, And then. I know.
2: Uh, but, but grew up, I was watching this when I was like 25. Yeah, but. I don't know.
1: And then, so I never really got into like MTV is what I'm saying. So like oh. my, the first thing I probably ever watched on MTV was like Catfish. Oh. I know oh, you are
0: late to the party. You missed Teen Mom. You missed my sweet sixteen. Oh Next. wait, no, I
2: did watch I my like super sweet sixteen. Don't you sweet sweet have 16. the CBS app or something? Due to Colin's show. Yes, there was a lot of the challenge on there, and I am challenging you to find the season where they put everybody on an island and just like leave them there to starve to death. They like ship them like a <laughs> chicken and some rice like once a week or something, and all of the guys behave exactly like the guys on the show. Well, they I see. are just. Yeah, they just start like, "I need protein," or "I'm gonna die" because they're all muscle bound morons who like should probably eat like a, you know, five egg omelet every morning.
0: Johnny Bananas is quaking. Yeah, <laughs> Johnny Bananas is the worst.
1: Um, I do watch, or I used to watch Naked and Afraid a lot, and mm-hmm. um, the men were always so whiny. Like there yeah. were episodes where the women literally got their period while being naked <laughs> oh, and afraid. No. And there, the woman's like out there with like a machete, like chopping down trees, building a hut. And the Just man free
0: bleeding, right? <laughs> the so and close.
1: the man got like a sunburn and had to like sit in a quiet spot and was like whimpering and was saying how he was hungry and sunburned. And this woman's like, well, I have my fucking period and I, you know, built us a hut and found us food. So you I've made go a three course meal.
0: Like I don't want to hear it, Brad. Yeah. Ugh
1: that being said i would totally have been the me- the men in this situation like, you would have been hangry oh my god i get hangry real bad i like <laughs> i cannot go more than two hours without a snack of some kind
0: i like accidentally intermittent fast every day like routinely i don't put anything in my mouth until two No. I just don't eat in the morning. Oh, my God. I can't
2: make it till 2, but I have been purposely trying to intermittent fast, and every day at, like, 12 o'clock, I'm waiting for the clock to strike 12 so I can eat some yogurt,
0: but... It was just interesting that, like, none of the women complained, and that's clearly a choice they made, that, like, the women Mm -hmm. were off skinny dipping and having these really, you know, purposeful conversations where the men were just, like, the only reason they really had those conversations was because they were so emotionally drained Mm-hmm. They're like, well, we're just going to get it all on the table to just scratch ourselves from the hunger where the women were just like, let's commune with nature. It was just, they, they both achieved re- achieved the same effect, but like mm-hmm. through very like different ways. And I think that, you know, we're, we're living in kind of like a post gender society, but I do think in this case, it really worked to divide the men and women up and kind of play into mm-hmm. the, some of those stereotypes because it did allow you to kind of understand the different levels of catharsis that are sort of like wrapped up in gender
2: yeah and there was this very male way of like needling each other mm-hmm. it's not like they were trying to have a heart-to-heart because even so like if you compare the jessica and carmel yeah dialogue which is not nice right no like, carmel no. basically accuses her of being tragically addicted and hopeless and annoying yeah. <laughs> and um and jessica responds accordingly which i kind of like to see her yeah. stand up for herself but that then leads to a bigger discussion, whereas mm-hmm. with the guys, it's like they're just revealing stuff about themselves by, like, and then... And then killing something. Shitting on each other <laughs> again and about And then killing it. a yeah. goat. Yeah.
1: Like, as hungry as I just admitted I would be, and as filled with hangry rage and just getting blinded by that, I would still never be able to kill... a kill, goat with your bare
0: hands? Kill anything.
1: <laughs> yeah. I would have, I I have come to this realization from watching Naked and Afraid that I would never survive. I am not a survivalist (laughs) because I would be hungry and going crazy, but then they would be like, all right, well, kill this snake and eat it. And I fucking hate snakes, but I couldn't, wouldn't be able to do it. I don't care how hungry I am. I like could not take a life. well we're creating a
0: petition to put you on naked and afraid well i probably would never clear the medical i mean i feel
2: like what we need to do is microdose carolyn without Mm -hmm. her permission and then take away all her food and see how long it takes her to kill something probably a rat considering like what's hanging out in your neighborhood carolyn yeah um, stay tuned for (laughs) a big little podcast season six
1: (laughs) yeah i i don't know i i still think even though i i just don't think i could do it um I, I would have eaten that avocado, though. Did they not even take that avocado? It didn't look like it. Yeah. No. Maybe if they had just, like, chilled the fuck out and split that avocado four ways, they wouldn't have needed to kill a goat.
2: I mean, there's plenty of fat in an avocado to go around for, like, two hours.
1: That's yeah. Fine. And I thought it was really interesting that we assume it's Tony who killed the goat, and then it comes mm-hmm. out that it's Napoleon. Um, mm-hmm. That, to me, that was a really interesting twist.
0: Well, now that we know more about Tony, I think it makes perfect sense that Tony wasn't actually the one to kill the goat. And we didn't get to see the full scene, but I wonder, you know, Tony was quite a bit ahead of Napoleon chasing down this goat. Mm -hmm. So he clearly caught up to the goat at some point, but then was unable to do it. And I think now that we know that Tony has this terribly tragic story of having some douche harass him in a bar and an ill-fated punch ended up killing the guy, like it's interesting that that's how they kind of chose to to play that out. And then we don't find out until the end of episode four that Tony is in fact very triggered by all of this, given his backstory.
1: Mm-hmm. And I knew
0: the minute Masha said, is there a murderer at the table? And yeah. she's like, Oh, well that's a relief. I'm like, well, who killed someone here?
1: Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> so we also learned that Delilah is bipolar and that adhering to the protocol is part of her employment and uh-huh. but she's no longer cooperating because this bee is effing her boo and she is not having it i mean that's not a great reason to go off your meds delilah but whatever
0: I mean, I wonder if she's even on meds or if she's being dosed according to Masha's protocol, which makes me very nervous. Like, if No, she's, no, that's
2: what I think. I, yeah. that, that's what I meant. Yeah, that she's not she, on, like, a lithium.
0: She, yeah, she's, she's, she's just no. treating her with psilocybin. She's just getting treated
1: by Masha, which is not a good choice.
2: I actually, so a podcast I listen to, one of the one of the hosts is actually bipolar, and I do believe he microdoses. Yeah, I've heard a lot of
0: research about that
2: yes I'm sure he's still on like doctor prescribed meds and but you know over the years I've been listening to this podcast for a long time and there's been a lot of up and down and like I have to get my meds readjusted Mm. and I'm not doing great whatever and like since the microdosing has come into play I have not heard any of
0: um, interesting
2: heard any of that
0: well part of the problem with these meds Or if you're taking something for long enough, you do develop a tolerance for it, just like anything else. And Mm -hmm. that is not the way psilocybin works. Like if you've ever had a psilocybin experience, you know that after you do it, it's not like other things where you immediately say, I want to do that again. And Mm -hmm. it's not that it's a bad experience. It's just a very content experience. Mm -hmm. You don't feel the need to immediately go out and do it again. You really want to reflect on the experience you had, which is why like the idea of microdosing daily is kind of interesting because it's a different beast than like going on a full experience. Mm Mm-hmm. But I can understand how that would be like a really interesting alternative to a lithium or something where you have to continually kind of titrate and readjust the dosages as you continue to become you know, more desensitized to them, whereas mm-hmm. that is not the way psilocybin works. So I think it's a very interesting direction to take it in. I'm also, I get very like itchy anytime bipolar is brought up in this context of a drama and then mm-hmm. it's leading the audience kind of to believe because because the next scene we see is someone that's broken into this woman's house Mm -hmm. that they're going to try and make some like false equivalency between bipolar and you know erratic crazy behavior because yes obviously that is a symptom of being bipolar but i do think the media loves to run away with that and kind of romanticize it and turn it into this overblown dramatic thing so that i definitely started getting a little like "Mm, i hope this is going to go in like an interesting direction and not a cliche direction with bipolar
2: well, I, I was actually, that I kind of wanted to ask you guys, like, I feel like they're setting us up to think that Delilah could be the stalker. hmm Definitely. And, you know, but Yao sort of point blank, blank asks her and she says no. But we also see Masha getting shot. We see that scene again of her getting shot. And we get a little bit better look at the person who shot her, who, and It's very quick, and so I could be wrong, but it actually looks like a very small person of color.
0: Interesting. Mm.
2: And I was wondering, like, is it possible that Delilah is the person who shot her in the first place and that's how she came to be with all of them and how how her medical history even fits into her employment contract in the first place?
1: Well, I mean, obviously, I think that... They, if, if Masha has medical history on all the guests there, it feels mm-hmm. like her staff is kind of under some sort of control, too. There's definitely... So, uh, I don't know. I think there's definitely a weird relationship between Delilah and Masha. Like, that moment where she's giving her that odd arm massage...
2: At least she wasn't kissing her leg like she, she was doing to Yara. Yeah, like I just, mean, there's like bizarre. kind of
1: weird relationships all around, obviously. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. I, I hadn't even thought of that—the potential that it was Masha who it was the shooter. Um, I did think that it could be, you know, that it, the 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 texts, the threats are coming from within. Is a possibility. I really hope that's not the case because I think calls be... coming from
0: inside the house, kind of. Vibe. Yeah,
1: yeah. I hope that that's not the case because I think that would be a lot less interesting. And I agree with you, Rebecca, that that would be, uh, you know, given the knowing that that character that the character of Delilah is bipolar, I think that that would be something that um doesn't. I I, I don't I don't think that's going to sparkle real well.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: mm-hmm. I'm hoping that there is. Uh, I, I I still think that there is some other uh, yeah. some other force you know that we haven't met yet
0: well I have a, an idea on that but before I go there I want to ask you Teresa when you were saying uh, about it being potentially Delilah do you think that then it would be Masha knows it's Delilah and this is part of like a rehabilitation thing where she's like I'm going to be so transgressive as to hire the person that shot me or do you think it's like she doesn't know
2: no i think she knows i think that's why that's specifically i I mean and i'm not sure i like this theory at all so um but if if i'm promoting this theory it's that it's that delilah shot her um somehow she comes to know this and but also understands that she's mentally ill and maybe untreated and she thinks she can help her yeah through the protocol and so she takes her in
0: yeah I think that's super compelling because I feel like this whole her getting shot thing is a classic David E. Kelly red herring Mm. that's going to ultimately be explained as something that was, yes, bad and crazy, but not necessarily the reason why this woman is currently being stalked. And it's meant to throw us off and we're supposed to make that kind of leap that, oh, Delilah's bipolar, Delilah's, you know, if they reveal that she was in fact the person that shot Masha, it seems like she's a perfect candidate for the one that's stalking her. But I don't think it is. And I think specifically the phrase it's good to die, my mm-hmm. immediate thought was like, that to me sounds like Russian English. It sounds mm-hmm. like it's good to die. Like, it doesn't sound like a phrase that a native speaker would use. It's,
2: it also reminds me of her making everybody have their death and rebirth
0: in the grave. Yeah, so. the
1: group therapy session of death therapy. That's what it made me think mm-hmm. of. Yeah.
0: Interesting. I also thought it was hilarious that whoever defaced this owl – art used like <laughs> post-it notes and did just write on the damn thing like they were respectful enough to put the individual letters on different pieces of paper that they tacked to the art like the sanctity
1: of the art
2: oh is oh my more god important.
1: I'm like, this is wild
2: it's like someone offered to let them use the art for the show but they're like but you can't permanently damage it
1: well so my thing with masha and her past uh what we find out in in the in this episode uh where we see the flashback at uh, she's like walking to her car and she is talking to her husband and, you know, saying that she's going to be at the beach house in a couple of hours and make her a martini. She's going to fuck his brains out. That's my
0: line for the week. Yeah. pour me a martini. I'm going to fuck your lights out. It was just Mine too. iconic.
1: But I think, so that made me think, like, what happened to the husband. Uh, right. And what, you know, all these other things. And it made me kind of compare her trauma and drama to the people she has hand-selected to bring together. Mm. So that's what I was trying to put together. Like, did her husband leave her for somebody else? Or uh, did somebody she know kill themselves and she suffered that trauma, or like the loss of a child? Um, You know, all of these things that, and and the loss of a career, like what uh, Francis is facing.
0: Yeah, like what's her her motivation in starting all of this? Right. How did she get from, I know that she gave the whole story about I was shot and it made me reevaluate everything, but like how does that then become the impetus to help others?
1: Mm -hmm. Right, so I was trying to piece together if there are clues that these people, that it is made very clear that she is hand-selected and that this group she seems to be taking... I don't know if she takes this kind of interest where she, I mean, clearly they are shocked that she wants to, like, move them ahead with this new protocol, that there is something in the trauma of these people that is specific. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there because that's something I picked up on when thinking about everything she lost and went through with getting shot that seems to be, you know, her raw nerve.
2: Okay, so moving on from the smoothies, and I mean, I feel like we moved on um, a long time ago, but <laughs> let's get to Carmel because she, Oof. we're learning a lot about her. Worst hickey ever. <laughs> you guys were also right about this. She is a pot ready to blow, but you know, Lars kind of had it coming, right? Like he was being a real dick.
0: A real dick.
1: Well, yes, yes, I think he was being a dick, but. Also, she really blew fast and, and and quick. Like, fast and furious, rather. She, I, I felt like it kind of, that was my first indication in that episode. I was like, are these people on drugs? Like, what the fuck is happening here? Because <laughs> they were sitting there having their smoothies. I was like, oh, it's got to be something in the smoothies. That woman just, like, tick-tick boomed, uh, even though he was being a dick.
0: It's too fast. Like, if you, if, yeah, it takes, like, an hour to, have that stuff take effect and it also like does not make you violent so I think this is more like she's got this beneath the surface and it's just like making her more free
1: well yeah we saw that when she like beat the shit out of the uh you know mannequin thing that they were supposed to beat the shit out of but she like literally wailed on it uh, and was like impaling it with that it, that I, I felt that that scene for Francis and for her I felt that and it felt yeah. good <laughs>
2: Oh, I love to hit stuff. I mean, Rebecca's had to me, had to listen to me wax poetic about the catharsis of hitting stuff many, many times. Yeah, the only kind of cardio exercise I can stick with is kickboxing because it also leads to me beating the shit out of things. And I am here for Mr. Kendo. I mean, I, I don't really need the whole katana thing, you know, I don't, I don't need all of that. I just want to punch him in the face, but that's fine. Um, but we also see Carmel kind of she's being mean to Jessica, mm-hmm. so like jet and Jessica really didn't have it coming, so i you know you you guys just kind of deconstructed this idea a little bit, but I was thinking, you know, Rebecca, you said psilocybin just enhances what you're already feeling. Mm-hmm. And Carmel is already feeling angry at everybody. Yep. And, like, she's being looked over and dismissed all the time. And she's been made to feel bad about herself. Yep. And so now she's just got, like, a loose tongue. and yep. uh, And saying, <laughs> saying whatever she wants and trying to strangle Lars and...
0: Yeah, like, it doesn't make you violent, but it would... It's not like... Cocaine or something that makes you crazy and rageful, like it is Mm -hmm. very much like just an amplification of your natural state. So the fact that we then learn from her therapy session that she's had this like very traumatic relationship and Mm -hmm. abusive relationship, I mean, I immediately was getting flashbacks to Big Little Lies and the Mm -hmm. denial around naming it and saying it's abusive and just saying, oh, he was so passionate. And she's talking about how she touches the scar because it's a real indication of. When someone cared about her. Oh God,
2: her. the scar! I almost forgot about That's what I'm saying. The world's that. worst
0: hickey. Like it's a terrible thing, and she's she's fetishized this as like a real token of someone that had a real feeling for me, without being able to recognize yet that this is a product of abuse. And to see Nicole Kidman actually being in that therapy role, it was just an interesting kind of full circle moment.
2: Huh. I mean, yeah, she's gone from being in yeah being in therapy to being a bad therapist. To, to being an even being crazier therapist, completely unqualified therapist, but
0: um. <laughs> maybe the plot here is that Celeste had a real break after Big Little Life season two. <laughs> she adopted a weird Russian accent, had a second career, mm-hmm. and now she's Masha.
2: <laughs> so Carmel also gets a little bit of extra screen time at the potato sack race, which I kind of, I really kind of love this scene Great and the scene. idea that like the exercise combined with the laughing would make everybody feel a little bit better which it obviously kind of does at least for a few minutes
0: like and the iconic cartwheel scene i watched (laughs) that episode with my 90-year-old grandmother and she just was Mm -hmm. so delighted by that she's like the greatest (laughs) thing i've ever seen this woman just tying the sack around her waist and cartwheeling us like yes yeah
1: Yeah, i think It it was a great scene For the Jessica character, who, again, Mm -hmm. kind of keeps surprising us with Mm -hmm. her ability Mm to sort of take back this uh, label that has been put on her and that she has put on herself. And, like, she keeps stepping out from that. Like, we find out she is a big-time reader. She is a lot more, like, layered. And this whole relationship with Ben, now knowing that they won the lottery... And that's Mm -hmm. where their money comes from. We spent a lot of time in the last podcast episode discussing, like, speculating where they could possibly have this Lamborghini and Fendi money. Oh, yeah. And, you know, to make her not shallow and to make her Mm -hmm. kind of this much more, like, complex character uh, and this character who really uh, is kind of constantly surprising me is really nice because I know, Rebecca, you compared her to like kind of like an Alexis Rose. and no, I was Teresa.
0: Can't take credit.
1: Oh, <laughs> yes, Teresa. So I agree. But Alexis Rose, This Jessica is so much more self-aware and sort of more self-sufficient. Alexis Rose, like you kind of... Well, she's like
2: end stage Alexis Rose. Yeah, right? like, yeah. She's, she's like Alexis Rose in Alexis. the
1: later seasons uh but for her to have that as a starting point i'm really excited by
2: yeah i think this that whole scene was a lot of it it kind of i mean there were a lot of great lines there's francis laughing when they ask her they're like oh are you sure you want to participate and she's like absolutely not i'm here to i'm here to be a spectator this is why i'm
0: a francis that is me every time someone asks me to do something physical i'm like are you kidding me i'll sit here and judge all of you and laugh while i have a cocktail but i'm not doing it
2: I mean, I want to point out that you did ski yourself into a tree this winter. I, I, sure I sure did. I sure did. I am
0: not an outdoor kid. No. No,
2: you should not be allowed outside. And then we have Tony calling Heather Karen. Yes. And Na- Napoleon trying to be like, no, her name is Heather. And she. Like,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, Napoleon he, he doesn't know what a Karen is. <laughs> yeah. No.
2: And Carmel's like, I have a heart murmur. And everybody's like, what? who cares you're jumping for like 10 feet and then the
0: tony like getting all competitive and doing his touchdown dance and that's the moment that mm-hmm. ben figures out where he knows it and then the line with ben being like oh you're my dad's favorite player and he pauses. he goes white player <laughs> it <was Yes>. just... <laughs> so many great nuggets stem from that really short simple scene and i think this is kind of the show's strength is that it's juxtaposing some really intense crazy drama like like this woman is straight up insane but we're mm-hmm. humanizing it by like having these really human moments between the other characters like i feel like the sack race was the equivalent of tony casually tossing a grape into francis's open mouth and accidentally mm-hmm. causing her to choke like they're silly believable light-hearted moments that make me feel like this is more on the dramedy side than some of the other shows we've covered like it really mm-hmm. is trying to hit those comedic notes in a way that the Undoing certainly didn't. Little Fires Everywhere didn't. Big Little Lies came closest, but I think the show is really kind of trying to push more into the comedic realm with these little mm-hmm. fun, lighthearted moments. And mm. I
2: actually, so I've been, I keep trying to pay attention to the executive producer credits, mm-hmm. and pretty much everyone has one, so it's hard to tell. Because, but Melissa McCarthy definitely has one. I think Nicole Kidman definitely has one. And I wonder if it's Melissa McCarthy's. Her influence her influence is really pushing the comedic parts of this
0: yeah well melissa McCarthy. i mean we should just take a moment she Mm -hmm. is nailing it like the highs and lows and the this like the way she transitioned so quickly in the mr mr kendo scene from like being like this is ridiculous i'm not doing Mm -hmm. this to breaking Mm -hmm. down was just great acting like Mm -hmm. somebody give this lady an emmy like it was just really really well done she's schooling nicole kibben in my opinion
2: yeah. well yeah well, let's talk about that for a minute because I am I'm starting to feel like Nicole's performance in this is just like 70 per fi, 75% scenes of her like gliding around in flowy dresses yes and close-ups of her face going from smiling to looking insane and that's like all she has to do
0: somebody I don't know again I'm so bad with citing my articles that I read but somebody was saying that they ended every episode with a close-up of her face
1: I think Which I think they have. Yeah, done. I noticed yeah. that too. Uh, and, you know, I did make that comment earlier. I did think one of the most impactful close-ups that we have had of her face was that when she was asked if they were being drugged. mm mm-hmm. uh, that was an interesting moment, but every we watched other time, the, all the
0: emotions go through her face. I mean, she's very good at face acting in that regard. Mm-hmm. Like she, I thought that the face acting when they came back with the goat, where she goes from being like "Holy shit, they just killed my goat" to like "I have to step into this therapist role and reward them." Right? Was good face acting, she gives good face. She just does not give good accent.
1: Yeah, I mean, sometimes she gives good face. That's the point. The goat scene is another one where there is real acting happening. But sometimes, and I can't decide, I've been struggling with this, especially in the, you know, first two episodes, I really found myself watching her being like, what in God's name is she doing as an actor Mm. right now?
2: Well, I have a theory as to why this is, right? Because, you know, I, I, very bad feminist me talks a lot about Nicole Kidman's face because she is at one on one hand like one of the most beautiful people on earth and on the other hand i am like what has happened to her and why does she look plastic Mm -hmm. and i think if if you've had extensive botox and Mm -hmm. and surgery and then you have to rely on close-ups of your face to convey emotion that emotion is not going to come across very well yeah like And that's why, like, she has to do crazy stuff with her eyes because her forehead doesn't move. Or, like, you know, like, there's all this stuff she cannot convey through facial expressions. And that's, like, half
1: of what this role is. Yeah. That could be part of it. I also think that she is attempting to do this, like, very stoic thing. And it instead comes across as just being completely vacant. Mm-hmm. And I, so but I agree that unfortunately for her, some Botox and things like that are starting to interfere with her ability um, to like utilize her face. Um, mm-hmm. And speaking of plastic, that scene before she jumps off the cliff when she dives in mm-hmm. and you see her from behind and she's there in her like little white wetsuit bathing suit with her hair it, and the way she's standing, she literally looks like a Barbie doll. Well, that's 100% not her. I, 100%, no. But yeah. the fact that they, like, decided to, like, make that shot, there was something about that. And I was really genuinely struck by it. I was like, oh, holy shit. Like, this person just looks literally plastic. And that's what I've been struggling with with Nicole Kidman in this. And I said about it, uh, this about her in The Undoing. Her face is just not able to act for me. Uh, and it, it sucks.
2: I will keep complaining about this till the end of days, but, like, she should not be blonde. Like, it really, really washes her out. Uh And then they're also, like, that white bathing suit is a bizarre choice because she's incredibly pale. And so she, and I think they're going for some sort of ethereal earth goddess look, but she'd be much, she'd be far more convincing with her natural hair. If just long, curly, beautiful red hair... And, like, some jewel tones. Like, uh, you don't need to be dressed like some weird bathing suit angel all the
1: time. (laughs) Yeah, but here she looks so (laughs) bizarrely kind of icy and and weird and unearthly that Mm -hmm. I think if if she had had red hair, which, yes, I am always a fan of Nicole Kidman with red Mm -hmm. hair. She should just never not have red hair. But here it is working for me because it makes her look crazier and starker and and just not like there is nothing about her that emanates any sort of warmth or human quality mm, <laughs> and that yeah. works cuz if they had put her Good in jewel tones with red hair you would have had a totally different character just from looking at her so this mm-hmm. character that we get just from the look is right for me that's working i just wish her face was able to work too <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, when we get that scene of her crying over her dead goat, Uh like, she is pretty, you know, like, you you get to see the Nicole Kidman chops we all know and love from Big Little Lies, right? Like, you see that again, it's just, I don't know if it's the character, if she doesn't do, like, the weird, severe Russian, you know, like, if that's just not a character she can play, I don't...
0: Well, unfortunately, I feel like there is some consequence of plastic surgery here because we did have Mm -hmm. these similar complaints with the undoing and she was in her natural red hair state. Mm -hmm. And I do think, unfortunately, when you have chosen to get work done, which there's nothing wrong with that, but I think when you're an actress that relies on every muscle in your face to convey emotion and then you have stripped that away, it is very difficult to convey the same nuance. You think back to like Moulin Rouge, like how many like little eyebrow movements she Mm -hmm. was using that she just can't do anymore. I think it's a shame. I just, this is jumping ahead of ourselves to the recommendations, but I just binge watched The Chair on Netflix, which is great. But Holland Taylor, who I'm not sure how old she is now, plays one of the old professors. And this is a woman who I don't think has had really any work done. And her face, you know, has got wrinkles and peaks and valleys but it was so expressive and everything this woman did her wrinkles like amplified it and it made the performance better so i think it's a real shame that so many of these hollywood actresses are doing this
1: yeah so holland taylor is 78 years old i just did a quick google she
0: is amazing
1: um she is and the thing with holland taylor is i feel that she for about 20 years has been playing matronly Mm -hmm. older like more mature characters And her career kind of, I can't really think of seeing her. She did a lot of theater before that. She, I mean, a lot of us, I think the first time you would have really gotten to know Holland Taylor as an actress is something like Legally Blonde, believe it or not, Mm -hmm. for people, for like us. And, you know, she was playing a more stately woman in that. Yeah. And so I think, I think it's hard because, you know, Nicole Kidman is known was always known for her beauty. She yeah, definitely yeah. was one of the most beautiful women.
0: And she still is.
1: I just she think still it's a is stunning. That- and, you know, she's playing these characters <clears throat> still that are, she's still playing fuckable characters. Yeah, right? how old do we think Masha's
0: supposed to be? Like, it's so hard to tell. Like, is she in her 40s? Is she in her early 50s? Like- it, it's
1: hard to tell. But the point is, is like, she is still trying to, she is still in that set where she can play these characters that are, you know, kind of believably fuckable, sort of like this like main character, this this hero woman. Um, and it's a totally different thing from an acting standpoint. It, there's a big difference that comes into play here between like being a character actress, which I would consider Holland Taylor more often than Nicole Kidman, who was a leading lady. And I think the slippery slope for a lot of women in Nicole Kidman's age group, as they are slipping past leading lady, something flips in your brain and you're like, oh my God, I need to go get a new face like today so that I can continue to do what I do. Um, Which is kind of a shame because the character like this, like this Masha character that she's playing, she could have benefited from having a little bit of those years on her face and the expression to go with them. So maybe she should start embracing those characters. Maybe this is the lesson. Yeah. yeah,
2: I mean, Carolyn, I think you and I were on Colin's show and we were talking about Big Little Lies and whatever that show about um, the filming of whatever happened to Baby Jane with Susan Sarandon and um, Feud is what it's called. But who was the other actress
1: that was playing? Um, oh my goodness, why can't I think? I'll look it up real quick. But yes, yes, we were on that.
2: Yeah, and it and we were talking, and so, you know, they're playing Betty Davis and... Um, jessica lang
1: jessica Jessica lang
2: Lang. and we talked at that point about how nicole kidman was already older than betty davis and and joan Joan Crawford crawford were when they filmed that movie and we had like a talk about how much hollywood has changed and on the one hand great for nicole kidman like she's still tall and slender and beautiful and doesn't have a wrinkle on her face and can continue playing fuckable characters as you call them but i'm also kind of like man you're like you gotta be like almost 60 is this really do do wouldn't you rather be playing baby jane at this point like wouldn't you want to be like sinking your teeth into those characters instead of
0: weird spacey masha i don't know Well, ironically the woman is 54 years old and i feel like the botox is aging her Like, I would have thought she was older than that. Like, I would have said she was 58, 59, and to hear that she's actually only 54, and I think this is a, I've seen people my age that are getting Botox, and I'm like, you are making yourself look older. And this is hysterical to me. This is marketed as an anti-aging remedy when I think your face looks frozen like that. To me, you do look older. But again, I'm all for it. I think, you know, whatever you need to do to make yourself beautiful, and if this is what Nicole Kidman wants to do to feel beautiful, fine. I just think that she's going to have to act in other ways than just relying on the top half of her face because it's just simply not moving anymore.
2: hmm Yeah, I mean, I feel bad. We we just need to stop watching shows with Nicole Kidman in them. Because, Are we bad like, feminists? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, 100%, yes, but also it's a reality. It impacts your performance. Like, right. And I feel like I told this story the last time we talked about Nicole Kidman's face, but I met Liz Torres, who plays Miss Patty on... The Gilmore Girls, yeah. right? She's far. She's much, much older than, um, than Nicole Kidman is, and she's a much different kind of actress. But she told me a story where she got a call back for, for a role, and they told her it was because she was the only actress who hadn't had a bunch of work done and mm. whose face still moved. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's just a reality because there are plenty of actresses out there we've seen do this to themselves, and you know, it's kind of a chicken or the egg situation. Do they go and get all the work done because they're not getting roles or do they not get roles because they've had a bunch of work done and now they look insane. I'm looking at you, Meg Ryan. Like she had that very crazy, Mm -hmm. like early two thousands work done that you were just like, she became unrecognizable. And it's sad. You know, we we're not talking about Michael Douglas, who is a like prune of a human at this point you know, but still gets his own show where he gets to be, like, a randy cad.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is kind of an unfair reality, especially mm-hmm. in Hollywood. Um, and I, I, I get it. I get it as somebody, like, I'm a commercial actress, and mm-hmm. trust me, nothing bums me out more than them calling me in to play a mom. <laughs> but that's, oh. like, the reality of the situation now. God, that's terrible. I mean,
2: but I also want to point out, Carolyn, that you and I are the same age, and I have friends who have like teenagers. So right. it's completely,
1: it's like, completely the realm valid. Of I guess I should do. take it as like a nice thing that they they're always cast. Like if I do get cast as a mom, it's with very little kids. So I'm like, yes, okay. Well, at least we got that going for but us. My
0: Arrested Development is such that when I see a 35 year old being like, I'm pregnant. I'm like Teen Bride. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. Seriously. <laughs> But I mean, so I understand the, the crazy that goes on in your brain when you are out there auditioning and seeking roles and getting judged. So I get it. But uh, I think that you know, looking at somebody like you mentioned, like Meg Ryan, and looking at like what's going on with Nicole Kidman here, and uh, like Renee Zellweger, who decided to get a completely different face, um,
2: and who had a very distinctive face to begin with, and therefore
1: and should have left it alone. Like yeah. like um, what's her face? Jennifer Grey from Dirty Dancing. Mm-hmm. She mm. got that nose job. Yeah, and it. Well,
2: she, I recently learned that was also start that that sort of. Um, Nose job got had its roots in the accident she was in in Ireland with Matthew Broderick in which he killed several people. So, right. like, I don't think that was entirely, like, I want a new nose. I exactly. think she understood yeah, that. Yeah, I understand but...
1: that. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there were choices made and, it, it, you know, thing, things happened. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't know. I, I think that, again, I'm going to reiterate, like, I understand it. But in Nicole Kidman's case... I especially in the context of this show, it would have been so her performance would have been a 100 times better if her face could do more Mm. and actually had allowed some age. And I I think that the again, the lesson could be that there are roles to be had for women, amazing roles for, you know, women of a certain age. And Holland Taylor is a great example of somebody who has kind of allowed that aging to happen and has embraced those roles and gets them and uh and really and Jessica Lang too, you know? I mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. I I think that it just has there has to be a point for women to understand like you're not going to get to play 35 forever.
2: So, I just looked it up because I'm thinking like as you get older, you get this chance to play like probably a lot more exciting roles I would think I know they're probably few and far between but Betty White was 63 years old when she started the (laughs) Golden Girls and she was the oldest cast member which means many of those women
1: were likely the same age around the same age that and Betty White had she had some work done when she got hired on Golden Girls because she and she talked about it because Mm -hmm. she was like afraid of looking too old Among the old women.
0: (laughs) I did not realize Betty White was the oldest golden girl.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's... Apparently Bea Arthur is basically the same age, but but Betty White was older by a few months. Damn. Yeah. But, I mean, again, it's the difference between, like they all looked old so old to me back then. I if you had asked me when I was like 10 years old and watching the golden girls how old they were, I
0: probably would've told you like they're all like 80. 80. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have never seen the golden girls, but I always assumed
1: they were like <gasps>
0: year olds I know. I know. I really oh, Rebecca, you have
1: to watch it. It is everything. But but I now I look at them and I'm like
2: Betty White was gorgeous for 63 years old and the only reason they really look old is because they have old lady hair yeah Yeah.
1: the old they lady have hair like
2: what the the like permed short hair that everybody's grandmother has
1: so they are i i think it's interesting that we're getting this sex in the city reboot that nobody asked for Ooh, I, nobody asked I for it know, and I never even heard of it it's and not I'm good angry yeah and it's basically me. like a modern day Golden Girls is and how Charlotte's I'm looking at it. And Charlotte's
0: face looks, talk about a frozen oh, face.
1: awful, awful. <laughs> they all, it's, it's all bad. But it's just funny to me because they are essentially the ages of the Golden Girls. In mm-hmm. that, what the Golden Girls were in the 80s when they started. That's what, like, Sarah Jessica Parker and um, Cynthia Nixon. They, they're the ages of the Golden Girls. And yet they're like clinging to this youth fashion like it's a mess Mm -hmm. it's a mess i think that we as women just need to do better and i think hollywood needs to help us do better because there should be nothing wrong with like not being uh you know a teenager your whole life or something
2: (laughs) you heard it here first hollywood yeah
1: yeah yeah (laughs) we're here to make the
2: change all right so let's leave nicole kidman's face alone and let's talk about lars
0: lars is a journalist crazy
2: lars is a journalist but he's also been picked by masha to be there and he claims it's about his breakup i don't buy it yeah
1: no way Mm -mm.
0: uh yeah i mean it seems
2: odd to me and i'm kind of i'm trying to think back i don't there are certain storylines from the books that i don't remember very well and lars is one of them But I really thought he was, like, a divorce lawyer for some reason. And so I'm wondering where this is going.
0: I mean, I think the frame is really interesting to have a journalist there that she's aware is a journalist and is inviting whatever he's going to write and the whole, like, oh, it might make me millions, but you could win a Pulitzer. Like, getting ahead of all of this stuff. And this is why I really liked episode four. I feel like it was getting ahead of all of these theories we've had already i feel like david a kelly learned from the undoing that you can't just keep this going and then on the last episode being like just kidding it was this guy the whole time like he's trying to get ahead of of all of the theories that we have as an audience and i feel like this is part of it so i appreciated that was all out on the table and to see where we go from here and then the scene with lars and zoe kind of talking about well the fact that he was recruited by her and he blames on his breakup but Zoe seems to be wise to the fact that there's more to it than that. It'll be really interesting to see what his true story is. And we're kind of peeling back these layers episode by episode and getting ahead of some of these theories that I think David E. Kelly is masterful at creating a television show where you have all these different theories on the characters, but I think it can bite him in the ass. A lot of the times the other show he was involved in recently, which I'm going to blank on the name of big, big sky. I want to say it was, it was bad. I couldn't Oh, oh yeah, Big Sky. Yeah, it was really. I watched two episodes of it and I'm like, this is really, really bad. And it was critically panned. So I do feel like David E. Kelly has, has learned some lessons here and is trying to improve upon some of the criticisms he's received. Well,
2: I also think part of it is that he's got better source text to start with because part of the reason Big Little Lies was so great, yeah season mm-hmm. one, is because the it appeared pretty. What? The book is good, yeah yeah the book is good and season two went off the rails because there was no book to guide us by. and the undoing was based on a book but barely um (laughs) you know the first episode was based on some of the book basically and then after that it just went off the rails so i think when he's got someone else who's thought the story through and i the story is part of the reason i said earlier that i'm wondering where this is going now is because like they've already entered some territory you have to to come up with you know six episodes or whatever eight episodes i think this might be but um i'm just wondering how they're going to fill the space before they get to the end of this so yeah
1: i was just about to ask you teresa without Mm -hmm. revealing too much because we haven't read the book yet and maybe some of our Mm -hmm. listeners haven't read the book yet how close to the book is this show staying right now
2: I'd say it's about 75%. So a lot of these little therapy things and these little, you know, like what they're doing on a given day isn't necessarily part of the book, but the storyline is there. Yes, in the book she does, she is drugging people. Um, Although I do think it plays out a little differently. Um, And, you know, the characters are all basically the same. You know, it's in Australia, so Tony's a rugby player instead of a football player, but same idea. And also, for some reason, I think I I could have sworn he was there because his dog had died. Yeah, right. <laughs> which, like, maybe I'm remembering the first thing he says about why he's there, and there was more down the road or something. I don't I don't remember that, but um, but I do think it's really pretty close. They're just sort of expanding on everything because you have to to fill eight episodes.
1: Yeah. Right. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, I do feel like these miniseries based on books can suffer from that, where they're trying to like throw in more red herrings to keep the suspense going but i appreciate that there's been resolution you know there's what eight episodes of the show 10 so we're halfway through which is crazy because we've only done two episodes of this podcast but <laughs> it does feel like they are they're trying to set up new mysteries for the back half which i'm looking forward to
2: yeah, I mean, I do think this show might have been suited. I I can't say obviously because we haven't seen them all. I do think, based on what I know of the book, this might have been better suited to being six episodes because mm. I am really wondering, like, what are you doing for the next, you know, if there. I think there's eight, so we're we're up to four. What are you doing for the next three episodes? I don't know.
0: Well, Hulu, no the they've got the like screenshot out for the next episode, mm-hmm. and just from the screenshot, it looks like tony and lars are wearing surgical caps and it looks like lars is like in a birth situation so (laughs) what i'm i'm very intrigued to see where they're gonna go with this i mean it'll be interesting if they take like a complete departure too because that's certainly what happened with the undoing to some Mm -hmm. degree like they really just like went off and did their own thing
2: in this case i might not be too upset with that because i think i thought the ending not the ending of the book but the sort of climax of the book because it has a little bit of a denouement
0: mm-hmm. but
2: um but i thought the ending was kind of insane in okay the book, so mm. oh but, I'm so be prepared yeah got it so we'll see if they stick with it cool so um based on these couple of episodes is masha the real deal or is she crazy carolyn she's crazy yeah <laughs>
1: I don't, Rebe- I don't expect that ever changing unless things take a very interesting and bizarre turn. She's crazy and I love it. I'm kind of embracing mm-hmm. it now.
0: Mm-hmm. Rebecca, what do you think? Slightly less crazy than I thought last episode, but still crazy.
2: Yeah. I mean, I feel like her, I could be convinced to go hang out at Tranquillum for a little while now. Yeah. Like, I would be like, this lady's 100% crazy. You just want if- the
1: drugs. <laughs>
2: Yeah, like, if she's going to give me some high-quality drugs, yeah. I'm fine. Like,
1: you don't want to spend time with her, trust me. No, I definitely don't. I definitely don't want to dig
2: my own grave, but, um, but uh, I could beat up that weird doll. Although I am still, like, the unnecessary um, the unnecessary sword. Like, just go get yourself a punching bag. This was weird. <laughs> um, so... Rebecca I, I think you've already told us but what's your best line of this of these episodes it's
0: definitely pour me a martini I'm gonna fuck your lights out like that if I was single that would be my tinder profile so that's a yeah. freebie for you Carolyn if you want it
2: that's also it already um, is yeah, that's a way to get some terrible
0: dates by the way probably probably this is why I never really succeeded on uh, online dating
1: I already get terrible dates on that, um, or I used to back when I was using dating apps. But um, yeah, that line was the standout. As soon as she said it, um, I was like eating my lunch, and I practically did a spit take with my leftover (laughs) Japanese food, and I like quickly jotted it down so that I could remember it because it's a real gem.
2: That... um that line kind of bothered me a little bit because the lights out part was like i mean i know it's probably written that way because of her slightly broken english but it still bothered me like instead of brains out it just it bugged me um i really got a kick out of jessica saying to carmel i like i'm sorry if i'm misreading you at all but on the possibility that i'm not fuck off
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was great her delivery she's doing some great acting like i i'm really mm-hmm. turning into a samara weaver weaving stan like she mm-hmm. her whole performance the last few episodes has been in turns heartbreaking and hilarious
1: i told you like yeah. i came into this so excited to see her and uh and i'm loving her in this and i'm really hoping like she gets lots of work and screen time and other things from this
2: so if you had to be stuck at a wellness retreat with one of these people, who would it be, Carolyn?
1: You know what? In this episode, I'm, I'm kind of feeling Tony. Mm. Um, I don't know. I feel like he would be interesting to talk to and, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think he could, be, he, he could be an interesting person to be stuck with at a wellness retreat with
2: mm-hmm Rebecca what do you think
1: weirdly I'm going with Heather this week
0: I feel
2: oh, like you stole my you stole my new girlfriend I'm sorry <laughs> but I
0: just feel like her openness to this whole thing and the transformation that she's going through is something I'd want to be along for the ride for
2: yeah a hundred percent she seems like a lot of fun when she's high yeah like, like get Heather some weed and hang out with her, and she will be a good time, I feel like. Um, and she's also, like, so free and, like, mortifying her daughter. And we love it's growth. Great. Like, you
0: just love to mm-hmm. see somebody growing and learning more about themselves.
2: And you have to – I mean, she is perhaps the person with the most serious issue right here, right? Yeah. Like, her, her family. They have actually lost a person. Yeah. Like, they are
0: clearly the most depressed I feel like the Marconi's are also the everyman family. Yes. Like everyone else has got like a celebrity status or some sort of like flashy story, but they are supposed to be our stand-in. I think we get that from the jump there. Correct me if I'm wrong, but they're one of the first characters that bring us into this. They're in the car on the road trip. So I think we're supposed to kind of see them as the all-American family and to watch mm-hmm. her grapple with her tragedy and change was, is fun. It's relatable. It's fun. I, I'm a Heather Stan now.
1: Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, the actress who plays Heather, I have become Asher um,
0: Ketty, yeah.
1: Asher Ketty mm. and Nicole Kidman actually went to bat for her to get mm. her this role because Nicole Kidman wanted her to have it. Mm. But apparently um a lot of the American financiers of the show were like, nah, she's not well known enough, like this, that, and the other. And uh, Nicole Kidman was like, "No, it has to be her. Oh, good for her. Um, probably in a Russian accent. Yeah. Nine, it has to be her. No, that's German. <laughs> I don't know, but it's just as bad as her accent. Oh, she's but Australian too. She's Australian too, and she is uh, really. I I think like she is. I agree that." How I can see how you guys want to be spending time with her at a wellness retreat. The mm-hmm. character that she is like building and uh, her facial expressions are not paralyzed and are mm-hmm. really spectacular and are oftentimes like telling a whole story. Um, so I'm totally a fan of hers now. I
2: I also really love, like from the beginning she's been the one who's calling Masha out mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. most of the nonsense. Who is who is, and who isn't just whining and complaining. Like, oh, you took my, you know, the booze I hid in my suitcase or the chocolate or whatever. It's, she's been like, um, what do you do? First of all, why are you doing this to us? You know what happened to us kind of thing. You know, she's really been like a grounding force and like just, she just seems like someone I would hang out with anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. So let's talk about the therapy of the week. I mean, it's hard to talk about anything, but the dosing but rebecca which of the many strange things that these people were put through this week is well I, as i've thing? clearly
0: established i'm waiting for the police to knock at my door any minute now is that yeah. i i'm totally cool and open to psilocybin therapy but i mm-hmm. kind of live for the idea of being in a sauna and shouting and screaming like i feel like that to me like being in a sauna with a messy gay investigative journalist shouting my lungs out. <laughs> this is pretty close to nirvana for me.
1: Uh, for me, it would be the potato sack race. Oh, yes. Uh, oh, I love one. a good opportunity to be competitive and silly. So mm-hmm. I am good all one. in with that therapy. Uh, a close second, though, is just sitting in a hot spring. You know, talking, talking about, about a, sex. Yeah, talking about sex. So uh, can we
2: talk about that hot spring for a minute, though, because it bothered me so much. It looks dirty. <laughs> Yeah, it, it looked so fake.
1: Yeah, it looked fake, but <laughs> I, 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 the con the, you, the the concept was there. I yes, appreciated what they were doing. You can, you can see the black
2: in. plastic that they used to create like, the <laughs> little pool on the yeah. side of the thing, and then they just put like some rocks and twigs on top of it and thought that was good enough. Oh like, yeah, it was like it was a backyard,
1: not. a badly built backyard koi pond for sure. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: uh, it, it still, I I think it would be fun to sit in a in a hot spring with melissa mccarthy and and shoot and shoot the shit about sex so fine
2: i mean i think we've already established that i just want to hit stuff and so um (laughs) what was his name mr kendo poor mr kendo poor
0: long-suffering mr kendo
2: but honestly i was down with like everything in all in both of these episodes i i'm like a little fasting, yeah, I'm here for it. A little, um, well, microdosing, yeah, I'm in. I'm into it, Rebecca. If you can get me some, I'm down. Oh, I got and you. Then, <laughs> and then, and like the hitting stuff, I, I'm a little scared of the sweat lodgey stuff, just because you know all those people died that time, and you probably shouldn't be messing around with that if you don't know what you're doing. But, um, but I too would go in there and scream at the top of my lungs. So. I'm here. That's why I'm saying Masha, she may be crazy, but I would definitely hand her a lot of my money to go hang out at Tranquillum.
0: So you're ready to go. Okay. Because that was one of the Uh questions I asked uh, our fans this week was, would you Mm -hmm. go to Tranquillum? And it was 100% everybody said yes. I was like, all right. Really? (laughs) Y'all are wild. I love it.
1: Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, I do have a question to add to your list Mm -hmm. of questions that we had from our longtime friend, fan, I was going to say, but who is really just our friend now, Veronica, Mm -hmm. who asked, how do we think it's going to end? And do we think Masha is going to end up dead? It's a good question. Like, I kind of feel like maybe she will end Mm -hmm. up dead. I didn't really think of that. I don't think it was heading towards murder. But given that murder seems to be David E. Kelly's bread and butter, like maybe Mm -hmm. it is going to end that way.
2: Yeah, that's kind of a question I wanted to ask you guys too. I don't feel like I can answer this question because I yeah, know how the you have book to recuse
0: yourself. But,
2: um, but like, it, and I I feel like I sort of alluded to this last week, where it's like, what is this show? Like, what is this building towards? Do right. you think it's building towards a murder? Do you think it's building towards something else?
1: I don't know. What do you think, Carolyn? I think that it is building. I don't know. <laughs> i want to say that it's building towards a murder but also like i feel like that would just make it cheesy
2: yeah like we do not need this masha plotline. no at all
0: i'm so mm-hmm. bored by it and i just don't care like and they throw it in at the end and i'm like all right i'm more compelled by delilah's bipolar revelation than i am by whatever's going on in masha's personal life like it just doesn't... and i
2: do remember that like in the book i think she gets some text messages but i couldn't tell you what happens to Masha at the end of the book, actually? Uh, well. I, know what, I know what the sort of climactic event that happens to the guests is, but I don't remember at all what happens <laughs> to Masha. Strange.
0: Well, we're all going to find my, out together.
2: My dogs are sneezing, so if you're hearing strange noises
0: in the background, that's why. I'm definitely not editing out dog sneezing. That's adorable. Mm-hmm. So did we answer all of Veronica's questions? Yeah, it was just really the main question. Do we think she's going to end up dead, and what do we think is going to happen to her? And I think... Uh, i certainly wouldn't be surprised if it goes there but i would be disappointed i think at this point i would rather have everyone come out alive and learn something and have the revelations be not death related just because we've seen that so often i mean do we think we she could kind of
2: pull a white lotus and accidentally overdose people who then go crazy and kill her (laughs) carmel's gonna strangle her to death across the breakfast table or something
1: so that i would find less that would be better for me than an outcome of her of like some other plot Someone involving we, know, we don't know you know a revenge yeah. killing or something you know what like somebody coming in and something from her past
2: is Hugh grant as jonathan going to show up and kill
0: her jonathan or perry or both They're yes
1: <laughs> yeah You've been perry living a double
0: life celeste i don't even mm-hmm. remember what the undoing character's name is i've blocked that whole show out jonathan no her name
1: no oh
0: and it's just gone grace 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 Grace. Grace. oh thank you
2: yeah i mean that that's actually it would um it's interesting if it does happen to be like some terrible abusive ex-husband like it's like that's three shows in a row (laughs) where this lady can't get a break
0: get her a girlfriend next time david e kelly You <laughs> need these toxic men no.
2: so rebecca i think you already kind of gave away your recommendation but do you want to tell everybody what you're what you're vis- watching this week
0: yeah so the chair on netflix was absolutely fantastic um i binged the whole thing in one sitting they're half hour episodes that so wasn't too toxic and they were only six episodes um mm. but just if you've spent any time in academia in any fashion, like this will relate completely. And Sandra Oh is just a goddess, and everything she does is great. So it's a, it's a really good one on Netflix, quick, as I said. Um, the other thing that I am just, I, I'm sure I've endorsed this on this podcast before, but The Good Fight is just arguably the best television show out there right now. It is absolutely taking on every single current cultural event from COVID to the political climate. And not even lampooning it, but just, like, holding up the most, like, honest, cringy mirror to society that you've ever seen. And this last season five, which just ended, had Wanda Sykes and Mandy Patinkin guest starring. So, like, can you ask for a better cast? No. It's so good. Can't recommend it enough. It's on CBS All Access. You can get it through Amazon Prime as well. The Good Fight Season 5. I really can't say enough about it. I would die for Christine Baranski. I would die for <laughs> Audra McDonald. It's just a great cast. So uh, definitely check that out if you haven't already.
2: Carolyn, who would you die for?
1: Well. <laughs> or what? Yes. Okay, so first of all, uh, earlier when I mentioned the term, um, you know, like, fuckable roles, mm-hmm. uh, something I will endorse if you are not familiar with it, where that comes from, Um Look up Inside Amy Schumer, uh, mm-hmm. Last Fuckable Day on YouTube and watch that comedy sketch with Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Tina Fey, Amy Schumer, and um, uh, Patricia Arquette. It is brilliant and really funny and kind of falls into line with some of the things we talked about in, in this episode. Um, so I recommend that. And then... Um, There is a Lisa Kudrow therapy show called Web Therapy. It was a web series. And uh, I recommend that if you want to. uh, I would die for Lisa Kudrow. Her and the comeback is, I Mm -hmm. think, one of my favorite things ever. I've watched that so many times. Um, And uh, Web Therapy is kind of flew under the radar, but is really, really spectacular. So go check that out.
2: So once again, I've been thrown off by your recommendations, guys. So I...
0: <laughs> we love to I, do it what, to you.
2: I know. So I'm going... You recommended two things. So I'm going to stick to my original recommendation and then add a second one. So um, I was trying to go back to recommending the book I'm reading, which is Damnation Springs by Ash Davidson. Mm. And it follows a logging family from 1977 to 78 as the town and the family... Um, Sort of become divided over the environmental impacts of logging. It takes a really long time for like this thing, everything to play out. Even though you know these things have to be coming to a head in some way, and if you're paying attention, you kind of you start to see all of that. Um, and the but the characters and the stakes are sort of compelling enough to keep you going, even though it takes so long. Um, I'm probably about 50 pages from the end, and things have sort of sped up dear lord man um and um i spent last night sort of crying into my book so i i really recommend it it's it's really good um so you mentioned lisa kudrow carolyn and it made me remember a show i watched a few months ago on netflix called feel good Mm -hmm. Uh, did you watch it Mm -hmm. yeah so it's not really lisa kudrow show she plays um may martin's mother and may martin is a um comedian i'm i feel like may's pronouns pronouns may be they now i'm not 100 percent sure oh may them? no no may May mart may martin okay um but it's just a really funny compelling show about may's sort of um drug recovery and then descent again and sort of addictive personality that often centers around relationships, including Charlotte Ritchie is um, May's girlfriend in this. And Mm -hmm. it took me forever. I was like, who is that? Who is that? Who is that? Um, And she, um, I'm actually forgetting now what the answer was. She was, who did she play? It's someone on like, Oh, she's from, she's from um, Call the Midwife. Oh, I Which love is Call like, the
0: Midwife.
2: I love Call the Midwife, too, and I used to, like, put my grandmother through trauma by making her watch it with me and <laughs> be
0: calling, You, you like, triggered your grandma. Yeah,
2: yeah, making her remember living through the blitz and, <laughs> like, but, um, but it was such a different role for her. I keep forgetting, like, where I first knew her from, and, but the show's really, really funny, and I, um, it's you know short little episodes again and i think there's a couple maybe two or three seasons of it and i don't know where like how maybe it's a canadian show or something because i have no idea i I've didn't know heard about of it, it until yeah. there were like already several seasons of it I don't, I don't really know where it all came from but it's it's quite funny and lisa kudrow plays may's very sort of disconnected mother I, I'm not quite sure how I would describe her, but she's Lisa, Lisa Kudrow, so she's always funny. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I feel like we need to come up with a sign-off for this podcast so we know when it's over.
0: Yeah, we need like a tagline or something.
2: Yeah, we need to stay sexy and don't get murdered. Exactly. But for, um,
0: the issue. For, if uh, for... you're out there listening and have a great idea for us, let us know. We'll shout you
1: out. Give us a tagline. I I vote for make me a martini. I'm going to fuck your lights out.
0: (laughs) And that's Big Little Podcast.
1: For listening to Big Little Podcast. If you enjoy our show, please consider becoming one of our valued podcast supporters at www.thebiglittlepodcast.com or just leave us a positive review on your favorite podcast platform. Can't get enough of us? Follow us on social media at Big Little Podcast for exclusive content in between new episodes.